Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Amen. Hallelujah. Open in your Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, if you would. Isaiah, chapter 55. I'm reading a book presently that talks about being excited about what you teach and what you share. And, and I got to tell you that I am oftentimes excited to the place that I talk so fast that I can't get it all out. The book also says that connection with people is more important than content. And, and so uh, forgive me if I've ever uh, talked so fast that your listener couldn't keep up. But I, I really am, you know, and, and the reason I'm, I mean, I've said this before, the reason I talk like this and wander around and tell stories, I'm just waiting for God to show up in my heart. So, you know, pretty soon, why, it'll just drop in me, and, and we'll start, and then I'll try and tap the brakes every once in a while. But, but uh, it's, just, it's just interesting for me to, to see how God calls us as leaders to, to teach how to relate to the person of God. And that's really what I want to talk about today. I want, to, I want to talk about relating to the God of promise. Now, this is a series that I'm teaching that the Lord gave me. And again, like every other time, he gives me four or five messages, and I'm just writing feverishly. And, and I start with, with the one I want to teach, and boy, they need this one. And then God gives me four or five messages as I get ready to preach the one that I think I'm supposed to preach. He gives me four or five more that I've got to lay down. And so sometimes I get... Um, a little bit bored approaching it going, oh, well, God, you know, I know that you want to do these things and surely the people need it, but let's just move on. And I don't ever want to move on without you. And, and so I want you to stay with us. I want you to stay connected. I want God to keep your heart connected to what he says in his word. So in Isaiah chapter 55, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been on the highway this week since it's rained? Y'all, y'all driven somewhere, done something? How many of you have looked at the pastures and said, boy, that rain did some good? I mean, we we were gone all week long and we came back after, in some cases, as much as five inches of rain around here. Which, by the way, in in this semi-arid, semi-desert rain economy, three to five inches of rain is a lot. And uh, and when you look at it, you just see water and, and green everywhere. So look at Isaiah chapter, chapter 55, verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there. Notice the, the water didn't come to the edge of the top of the grass and then retreat to heaven. It actually fell on the ground. And it says it does not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud. Now I want to tell you something. It probably didn't bud quite as quickly as our thought process and sight process, probably the first green that we saw was actually the green was there, but it was covered with dust. And the first rain just washed the dust off the green. What's going to happen next week as the sun comes out is going to be, I mean, some of you could put a stick in the ground out by your corn, and if you'd sit there for about three hours, you'll see the corn grow. That's what he's talking about. None of us have any problem processing this in a natural way. So notice what he promises. It'll bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower. Seed to the sower is about providing for tomorrow. Okay? And bread to the eater. 
That's about providing for today. It's meant to do that. God designed it that way. Verse number 11, please. So shall my word be. Now notice, he compared his word to something that he just gave us a physical example of. You can't drive in our county right now and not think that the rain did some good. You can't look out your front door and look at your lawn if you have one. And think, praise God, my lawn looks good. I'm in secret competition with my neighborhood. I tell you this all the time. And I just want to tell you right now that my lawn looks good. I called our neighbors, Dave and Twyla, live right next to us. And I know they know I'm in competition. And the problem with Dave and Twyla is they don't really care, uh, you know, that we're in competition. I mean, you know, and so... So anyway, I'm, I'm in competition with people who don't know that, they're, you know, that I'm in competition with me. And, and um, oh, my lawn looks good. But I, Dave and Twyla watch our house when we're gone. And, and, and so Tracy was on the phone or texting or something and said, hey, have Dave unplug the control to my sprinkler. Because I don't want it to run after we've had five inches of rain or how much ever we had. And I just want to tell you, my lawn looks good. The rain has done its work. And to make it look better, I cooperated I put some fertilizer down before we left. And that rain washed that into the ground. And my grass, did you, did you know my grass looks good? I mean, that's my, that's my, that's this scripture. I cooperated with, I knew it was going to rain. Has to. Sooner or later, it's going to rain. Cooperate. He says, so shall my word be. Listen, God's word is being poured out from heaven. As we sit here, it's being poured out. And it goes forth from his mouth. Many people say, how do I know that God is talking to me? I'm not sure that it's not just me. Listen, you are not brilliant enough to come up with what God comes up with. You don't know what to do next. That doesn't, see, don't hear me saying that you're not smart. Hear me saying how smart God is. If you'll just depend on him... And take what he gives you, this verse will come to pass in your life. It says, it shall not return to me, God, not me, me, God, void. It doesn't come back empty. It never comes back empty. Like Tracy was saying in her prayer today, if you are struggling with not seeing what you know God's word says, his word by his mouth says it will not return to him empty. Please stop judging your circumstances by what you can see. Judge your circumstances by what God has said. If you judge it by what you see, the only way for you to think God is telling you the truth is for you to to see what God already said. Why don't we see what God already said before it manifests itself? That'd help you. You say, well, I don't want to do that If, if God can't show it to me. He did show it to you in his word. So shall my word be that proceeds from my mouth, the Lord says. He already showed you that. It shall not return void. It shall accomplish what I please. If you're not seeing it being accomplished, you may not know what pleases God. Think about it. It shall accomplish what I please. If you can't see what's being accomplished, you may not have a good grasp on what pleases God. You understand that God isn't pleased necessarily or exclusively, exclusively by your comfort. 
See, we think we see the word of God happening when we're comfortable. And how do we measure comfort? Well, we measure comfort if everything goes well in our life. Listen, if everything always goes, if you don't run into the devil in in the course of your life, you are going the wrong direction. Right? If you don't hit the devil every once in a while, you're going the wrong direction. You're going in his direction. Man, I tell you what, my wife and I hit the devil this week. He was standing in the middle of our road. We weren't seeing what we wanted to see. And the devil can show up and say, yep, I'm right here in the middle of your road and you can't get around. (laughs) Now, if you learn how to laugh at his deceptive questions, well, how can you get around? He's just trying to distract you. Don't be moved by his distractions. Look up into what God said. God, you said, it will not return to you without accomplishing what pleases you. Is what I'm focusing on pleasing to you? Ask God. See, sometimes we're just focused on us. Is what I'm focused on, God, pleasing to you? See, I have an audience of one. I look up every, every time I'm preaching. I'll, actually, I close my eyes normally. And, and, you know, I'll just close my eyes and, and, and try to look into the spirit realm. And what I'm looking for is the, is, is the father clapping and Jesus smiling or the other way around. It doesn't really make any difference. As long as the two of them are engaged, we're good to go. Right? And so I love seeing the father smile. I went to a basketball game this week. And my almost six foot tall, 14 year old grandson dominated. He scored about 50 points in two games. And I just wanted to stand up and say, whose grandson is that? (laughs) Wow. What do you think God wants to do? We are his children. He is proud for a human terminology of us. He looks at us and uh, just like a, just, just, I mean, if we're brothers with Jesus, I mean, how would you like to be in that family? Talk about having an unfair advantage. Jesus is Jesus. We are not. And we're on equal footing with him. Can you imagine God turning to Jesus and say, hey, hold on just a second. I got to praise your brother for a second. Well, he does it every day. We have to find out what's pleasing to him, right? So shall my word be. It will not return void. It shall accomplish what I please. We've got to find out what pleases God. Now, notice this. It says it'll prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now, you can define, define prosper however you want, okay? But I just want you to understand something. Under no circumstances does prosper mean lack, Figure out how you're going to define it. You don't need Greek and Hebrew with all of this and all the the great wisdom that can come and somebody telling you this and then explaining to you why it doesn't mean what you think it means. Well, you know, now God does want to prosper us, but it's all spiritual. Really? It's all spiritual. If it's all spiritual, why do you pray for somebody's health? If it's all spiritual, let them die. They're going to heaven. Get out of the way. See, we don't, we don't see that. And people say, well, you know, it's all spiritual. You know, it's okay. You know, God needs another angel and whatever other kind of crazy stuff people say. Just makes me want to slap people, which is why I know I'm not like him. 
Does it please you, God? Well, God sent his word, Jesus Christ, to accomplish freedom from sin, peace in your heart, and healing in your body. Go look at Isaiah chapter 53. It's right there. Here, I'll just show it to you. I got time. You got time? Jesus isn't returning right now, so anyway. If he does, we don't need what I got to say. Look at Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. Now tie this in your brain, at least, to John chapter 1. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What is pleasing to God? That the Word would dwell among us. That's pleasing to Him. Isaiah chapter 53 verse verse 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. Skip over to verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. It's a pleasing thing for Jesus to be wounded for our transgressions. Well, then he wants us to stand there on the foundation that he has laid. He was bruised for our iniquities. Turn over, look over verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He's pleased by the bruising that took place. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Look at verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to, to, to bruise him. It's pleasing to God for us to stand in peace. The opposite side of that is it must not be pleasing to God when we don't have peace. He didn't say when your circumstances went well or didn't go well. He said, I'm going to give you some peace in spite of the circumstances. Last part of verse number 5. And by his stripes we are healed. Look at verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Are you getting this? It will accomplish what he pleases and prosper... And what he sent it for? Not make you less, not make you weak, not make you sick, but rather prosper for what he sent it for. All right, so how this, this sermon is about relating to the God of promise. We just, we just saw that, that, that introduction of, of this God of promise. He promised these things. He says, my word will not return void. He promised that. Now, how do we relate to that? First of all, we need to kind of talk about what it means to relate. Relate means to make or show connection. Okay, as a pastor, I'm essentially forced in human terms to make a relationship with you all. So every time those of you have, all of you at one point or another were new to this church. And you looked new. Because you stood around and wondered, am I the only new person in the church? And what do people think? And then you looked around and saw what everybody was wearing and how they acted. And you said, okay, this is how this church works. And you were no longer new from that moment. You didn't know the first time you came to church that you sat in somebody else's chair. Because you were new. And you were not trying to be noticed. Nobody wants to raise a flag and blow a trumpet and say, hey, I'm the new person here. I remember when Bill and Nola Ray Colling came to our church. Well, they came to our church on the first Sunday that I came. I didn't know they were new. They were here when I got here. They were here on the same day I got here. Went to, Bill and, to Bill's retirement party or birthday party at the Methodist Church. Ouch. And, 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 and I, they were going around, you know, having a little meal together, and they were going around the room having everybody talk. And again, I just assumed he was always here. 
Right. And so I just thanked him. I said, man, it was so good because I've known them for years. I'm from Ray. I, I've known them for, you know, 50 years or whatever it was. And I just thanked him, said, man, you know, I knew him when he was a health inspector in the restaurant business and all that kind of stuff. And I just thanked him. And the next person after me, who was a member of the Methodist Church, stood up and said, yeah, we're still mad at you for stealing them. I, I, he was there when I got there. I didn't know he was new. Well, you see, we use that kind of stuff to, to listen. God did that. God brought you to this church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 18, that God places the members in the church as he chooses. If you're spiritual, you don't even get a choice of where to go. Isn't that painful? Well, I'm going where I like it. Well, good luck. Because when you get there, you might like 90% of this stuff, like most of you maybe probably do here, but there's 10% of the stuff, the crazy stuff that we do, that you look at us and go, do you have to do that? Do you have to sing that long? Does somebody have to pray in tongues? Are you really going to lay hands on people? Are you going to expect for God to heal? We've never seen anybody healed. We've had somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 testimonies this year alone of God's healing power in people's lives. It's crazy what God does. And we say, well, I've never seen anybody get healed. You're sitting next to them. Well, that doesn't count. Okay, geez, we have to work really hard, don't we? To actually say that God's word works. So how do we relate to a God of promise? Well, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Now, this is the New Testament explanation of the life of Abraham. Now, I love Abraham because, first of all, He was the kind of guy that we are. He had questions. You know, you've not given me what we thought you were supposed to give me. That was Abraham's deal. You know, I'm childless. And God said, I'm going to give you one. And it waited too long, right? Took 25 years. Waited too long. So some point in the middle, Abraham took things into his own hands and said, I can make this thing happen. It must be what God wants. He wants me to do it. So Abraham's went into his handmaiden, Hagar. Her parents must have hated her. Hagar? Okay, sorry. Little, you know, rabbit. Uh, <laughs> and they had a child named Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of all the countries around Israel that hate Israel. Bad choice, Abraham. Bad choice. 3,500 or more years of history have gone by, and the people who are are, are inheritance of Ishmael still hate Israel. Because, see, it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Two generations later, and they still hate Israel. In that time. Notice if you would please. In verse number 16. He says. Now this is is, uh, Romans uh, 4 4 and 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. We are the seed of Abraham. How do we know we're the seed of Abraham? What did God say to Abraham? When Abraham had no children. God took him outside his tent. And he said to Abraham. Abram, before he was Abraham, he says, look up and count the stars. 
Now go ahead. We haven't had a lot of clear skies as of late, but it's going to be clear before too much longer. Just go outside and figure out how to count. And by the way, you're standing on a moving platform. There's an app you can put on your phone that you can point your phone at the sky and the GPS location satellites will tell you where you are and then begin to name the stars because they've all been named to name the stars. You can just take your phone like this and do this. So the next time you see something going through the sky, I don't I don't know what that app is called. You know, go to go go to Google and find that and get that app on your deal. And it'll tell you if you're looking at a star, a planet or a satellite. How cool is that? He said that Abraham didn't have any of that. He said, look up and count. He said, so shall your descendants be. Numerous as stars. One other time he took him out and he was on the sand. And, and I, I'm kind of a clean freak. I don't know if any of you know that. And so my idea of a vacation doesn't include a beach. Because I don't like sandals, first of all. And I want my feet to be covered because I have to step on the sand. And if you're wearing a sandal and you have a gross vehicle weight like I do, you sink into the sand. And when you come away, you have sand in places that you didn't intend for sand to be. There is so much sand. Little teeny grains of silica. Broken up rocks. Everywhere. And God said to Abraham, count the sand. So shall your descendants be. You can't. We are his seed because we are in the sands, the, 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 the grains of sand and the stars that you can't ever count. See, God said, let there be light at the beginning of all this. And light has never stopped moving. Never stopped. And it goes as far. And let me just, all you people who are looking for a little alien life. Okay. If there's alien life. They likely look like you. They don't have one big eye in the middle of their forehead. And they're probably not green. Because we were made in the image and likeness of God. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Two different things. That means when you look in the mirror, likeness, you see a reflection of God's intent. Okay? When you look inside, you see a reflection of God's intent. He made you this way. If he's the only dude making, then whatever he made is like us. Now, if you think, well, now, wait a minute, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, just scientifically, if you want to go to another planet, you better take a rocket ship with you to get there. You better be able to live for years and years and years because a long ways. And you maybe, maybe better take a spacesuit with you because there's no other planet in the solar system set up to take life like God set this one up to. Everything in this. I mean, you know, they, they're on Mars right now and they're saying, you know, there's no water here. And then they see, you know, like cut marks on that. They got that little rover thing up there taking pictures and they see the cut marks on there. See, oh, that's where water was. Where'd it go? 
If there was water there, of course they think, because you came from a single cell amoeba, amoeba covered with hair. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Golly, that, God, that was funny, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if you're a single cell dude, it's great. But that thing just kept multiplying according to them until somebody blew stuff up. Man, it takes so much faith to believe that God wasn't involved. And then to say, well, there's more out there and we're looking and, of course, we're communicating. Did you know that scientists have proven that the smallest particle that they've been able to find, something called a quark, is actually a physical sound wave? How did the earth get started? How did God get started? And God said, you are made up of what God said. Isn't that awesome? See, if we're going to relate to him, we have to pay attention to what he says. Right? And in Romans chapter 4, you know, we're going along here. And he said he's the father in verse number 16, who is the father of us all. If you skip down to verse number 20, he did not waver Let's read 19. And not being weak in faith. Man, there's so much there, God. He did not consider his own body. Wow. If you want to walk in what God has for you, you'll have to disconnect reality from your body. Your body is the most limiting thing that you have. Well, amen anyway. I know some of you still think your body is awesome. Give it 20 years, you won't have that same opinion. Because you see, the Bible promises that our outer man, right, is decaying, and our inside guy being made new every day. Your outside guy is looking tough, but your inside guy still looks like God. Amen. Notice it says then, it says, uh, um, this is verse... um, 18, contrary to hope, and hope believes, so he become the father of many nations, according to what it was spoken, so, you're to sell, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, did not consider his own body already dead. Man, like 75 years old when God started talking to him. Now, listen, grandpas, if you're close to 75 years old, do you want to start raising a baby? Because when they come out, they need a lot. I mean, the whole diaper parade... Praise God. I don't even like to change my... I've actually considered taking my grandchildren outside and hosing them off. I don't like to. Don't leave them with me. Put a new butt cover on them when you leave them with me and come back soon enough that I don't have to mess with that part. I'm not changing. Sorry. You say, well, that's not very... Listen, I'll give them a $5 bill if they'll change their own. Man. In the deadness of Sarah's womb, you know, he, he, he considered this at 100 years old. Man, who wants to have children at 100? And don't tell me, oh, well, in the Old Testament, they lived a long time. You do the math, okay? I don't know how long you think they lived and how long that is, but 100 is still old. Anyway, you slice it. 
And I know that Moses wasn't feeble in his eyesight at 80 or 120 whenever he went up there. I get that. I'm just telling you, they're humans. And it does not enter our human mind to think it's a good idea at 100. He did not waver, verse 20 said, at the promise of God. Through unbelief. Notice unbelief creates wavering in the God of promises words. Let me say that to you again. Unbelief creates wavering in the God of promises words. You waver at his words. He was strengthened in faith, giving, great, giving glory to God. Now notice verse 21. Here's our, here's our verse. And being fully convinced. Now I don't know what it means to be fully convinced, but it's greater than being convinced. It's added on to the convinced part. Amen? He was fully convinced that what he had promised, here's the God of promise. How do we relate to the God of promise? Fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. So let's do a little exercise. Whatever you have heard and read that God promises, are you fully convinced that he is able to perform it? Don't tell me what you've seen. Don't tell me what you'd like to see. Are you convinced fully that God can perform what he promised? Because see, some of you are fully convinced in some areas. When I started ministry, I was fully convinced in the area of finances. God has been good to us financially. This church has been good to us financially. God has done what he promised. But like you, I've looked at other things. I've prayed for people who have died. No fun. And God is still able. Is still able. You've got to process this, people of God, or you won't know how to relate to a God of promise. See, when you do that, you come to the grips with this thing. And you say, I know what he promised, and he's fully able to do it. Don't tell me how long it takes. Listen, you think Abraham enjoyed the 25 years? He enjoyed it so little that it made sense to him to sleep with, the, with his wife's handmaiden. How can that make sense? Well, let me sleep with the maid. How does that make sense? And then, of course, that didn't turn out well. And so Sarah said, um, you're fired to the handmaiden and take your child with you. And we are still, as a, as, a, as a world, suffering the consequences of that behavior. Now notice, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just turn there. I, I forgot to look what time I started. And if you're still connected with me, can I keep going? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, this is that passage. So let me give you the first quote. Give me that natural one, Jeremy, please. The first one. I think it's the first one. There it is. Natural folks relate to the God of promise, at least to some degree, based on what they are waiting on God to do for them. Natural people relate to God or relate to the God of promise based on what they're waiting for him to do. Now, remember... We went back in Isaiah and we found prophetically that he was bruised for our iniquities. He was disciplined for our peace and he was put stripes on his back for our healing. 
God's already done those things. He's already... We don't have a sin problem. We have a knowledge of God the Father problem. He did something in Jesus Christ. You do not have to walk in your sin any longer. He provided a way of escape through Jesus Christ. But you see, natural folks, they relate to God based on what they're waiting on Him to do. Please put the next one up, please. Spiritual folks relate to God or relate to the God of promise based on who He is, what He's done, and what He said. If you want to relate to the God of promise, you better figure out who He is in you. Those are the three points that I want to just drive home today. Notice if you would, let's, let's just do the 14th verse, please, of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Notice it says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. Notice the natural guy can't get it. He can't relate to the God of promise. Why? Because it's spiritually appraised or discerned. It's, it's, it's given value by spiritual process. So he says, what did God say? So really what we've got to do is figure out what he said. Well, I'll give you a couple of things. Um, it pleased the father to bruise his son so you could be free from sin. He said that. He said it before it happened. After it happens, Paul, the author of this book, said in the book of Romans that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we knew we had a need, God took care of it. You'll love next week when I talk about before you had a need, God fixed it. But notice it says then that the, 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 the natural man does not receive. Notice it says he does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. See, If you already have something, there is no reason for you to continue to ask for it. And there should be some reason for you to thank God for what he's already done for you. Now, don't look at your body and say, well, but pastor, I still have pain or I still have this or they still tell me this or what. Uh, It's spiritually discerned. So what are we going to do? We're not going to pay attention to our body which is already dead, according to Abraham's experience, but rather, we're going to pay attention to what God says. So how are we going to relate? Showing the connection to what he has done, said, and promised. All right, are you ready? Spiritual folks relate to the God of promise. I'm sorry, I want to give that quote again. I thought you still had it up there. I'm I'm learning how visual people are. You say... Really, we're visual? You should see yourselves when we put one of these quotes up here. If, if you're a note taker, your heads are doing this. And you're writing like three or four words down, you know. Some of you at the back, you get out your phone. You take a picture of the screen. Why? Because you're visually relating. You're visually relating. How do we relate? Well, we do it visually. Well, I can't see it. You're looking in the wrong spectrum. Come on, how many of you had a prism when you went to school in some grade? They got that prism thing out and they shined the light through it and the light turned into what? A a spectrum of colors. White light is a spectrum of colors. 
from the darker to the lighter. That's what the rainbow did. Did you know rainbows are a circle? They don't actually touch the ground. Sorry, trivial information. Did you need to know that? Probably not. It's important. God put a rainbow, a complete circle of his promise over the earth, and he said, I'll never do that again. It can never be broken. It's made out of light. That's why you see it. You see it in a different spectrum. When you look at what God does, you have to look in a different spectrum of sight. Not physical sight, but what can you see spiritually? So when God said, let's take the first one, the finished work. Thank you, Jeremy, for thinking for me and and putting those things up there. I just so appreciate that. Showing the connection to what he has done. It's the finished work. If you don't understand the finished work, you will oftentimes miss what God provided. I spent a good portion of my spiritual life knowing that God freed me from sin. And then I got the revelation that God healed me by by Jesus' stripes. But about eight, ten years ago, I noticed there was a line in between there. And I found that because of the discipline that I deserved, that God put on Jesus, he gave me peace. And I thought, why am I not operating in this? Because I didn't know that spectrum of sight existed. I didn't know that that peace was provided for me through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I thought I had to do everything just right so I could be in peace. Nope. God did it through Jesus Christ. Turn over to the 11th verse of chapter 3, 1 Corinthians. Notice it says in the 11th verse, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You cannot build your own foundation of function in the earth. Jesus did it. You must build on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. That's why it's important for you to connect with God based on what he's done or the finished work. All right, put up the quote, please. I'm going to skip that Luke verse. We'll, we'll pick it up in the weeks to come and, and, and put up that next quote for me. Will you please, Jeremy? I'm running out of time. Spiritual folks will do the mining necessary to build with the appropriate minerals, materials. What do I mean? Well, look at the 12th verse. Leave the quote up, please, Jeremy, and I'll just look at the 12th verse. Thank you. Now, look at the 12th verse of this passage we've been looking at. It says, now if anyone builds on this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. See, we have a responsibility to build. So I did a little research. Did you know that the most active gold mine in the earth today is in like Papua New Guinea or somewhere like somewhere in the... The, the, the middle of that. And last year or the year before, it produced 848,000 troy ounces of gold. Wowza! Anybody pay attention to the gold market? It's like, you know, 2,200 bucks an ounce, troy ounce right now. Do the math. Do you know what they were looking for when they found the gold? What were you looking for when you found the gold that God hid for you? In that mine, in that, in that island nation, they were looking for copper. They found 809 million metric tons of copper. It's the largest copper mine in the world. And they found 848,000 troy ounces of gold. What were they looking for again? 
copper. What did God have hidden for them? Both of them had to go through the fire. They, they mixed those. Let me give you, I got it written down here in my notes. They also found 3.4 million troy ounces of silver. And so they put this in a muddy slurry and they take it about 100 miles, give or take, from where they're digging the hole in the earth to where it can be loaded onto ships and hauled somebody else, somewhere else to be put through the fire. Isn't that interesting? What were they looking for? Copper. Do any of you even have any idea what copper is worth? I don't either. But isn't it interesting that I was able to know what gold is worth? Because it's valuable. They do over one million metric tons of movement to find one ounce of gold, and they weren't looking for the dirt. See, when you want to build, you've got to dig deeper and be sure you know what you're looking for. Because if not, you won't find what you're not looking for. See, when this mine years ago found that there was gold and silver in there, they still sell the copper. They still send that all over the world to to companies that are called smelting companies. And basically, they just turn the fire up. And at a certain level, there's the copper. And at a certain level, there's the silver. And at a certain level, there's the gold. See, everything that you build with that's mined out. See, spiritual folks will do the mining. You go through some terrible things where you're digging, 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 trying to find the ounce of gold, only to realize that when you find the gold, you don't really know what you have. I know that many of you might think that what you find is what you see on the movies where somebody in, you know, is panning for gold and they, see, they, they get this gold nugget that's all bright and shiny and it's as big around as a, as, a, as a plum. No. Most of the gold mine today is like the speck of the sand. But when it's exposed to heat, it's really, really heavy. What does that mean? It means you've got to scoop the top off before you can get to what God intended for you to find. Gold is heavy. It, it sinks to the bottom in the fire. That means you've got to scoop off the other stuff, right? And so they do. They, they turn up the fire. Isn't that interesting? If you're going to relate to God, you're going to have to relate through the finished work. Jesus turned up the fire, God turned up the fire on Jesus Christ and left buried in the treasuries of the foundation the gold that you all are looking for. He hid it for you, not from you. Are we together? Does that make sense? Can you wait for next week for the next two? Because if I get involved in the next one, we will be going for another hour because this is just... Do you see what God did? He said, listen, if you're going to be spiritual, you're going to have to learn how to relate to me as a God of promise. It's not that God just pours out things and, 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 and does it that way. He says, listen, you mine it, you dig it out. Gold, silver, precious stones. I didn't even tell you my precious stones story. It's awesome. Diamonds don't look like diamonds in the rough. They look like dirty rocks. 
until you roll them around. And then some of their edges get knocked off. And then pretty soon you put them in the hands of a skillful diamond cutter. And they cut off everything that isn't perfect. And you wear it on your hand. And it refracts light like no other gemstone on the planet. What does it do? It separates light into spectrum that lets you know it's new and it's real. Isn't that great? What does God do? What does gold look like? It's dirty until it hits the fire. And when it comes out, it's shiny. Why? And you know it's real and valuable. That's what we're looking for in God. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Come on, music team. We'll pick this up next week. I I know that it'll be a blessing to you. And uh, we'll continue to, to, to work at this. I knew when I was writing this that I had too much material and I thought, I can't, I, I just can't press it in. We're going to have to just do one at a time. Amen. Stand with me, would you please? Father, in Jesus' name, we bless you. We bless you for all that you've done. Father, as we relate to you as the God of promise, we know we do that through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And inside of that finished work, Father, are precious stones and gold and silver, literally representing the value of what you hid for us in the finished work. And so, Father, as we spend our week this week just mining out, just digging into what you left for us in the fullness of your completed work, we begin to see, Father, that we can build with these things that can be tested by fire. Oh, Father, we thank you that you test us by fire. Because what's left is a reflection of your intent of glory hidden for us in the foundation that is Jesus Christ. Oh, we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.